Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 152. Some big results in week two of the Rugby World Cup, not least Japan against Ireland. Plus, the Big Mac is back for England's game against Argentina on Saturday. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, welcome back! Uh, another exciting week in the World Cup, um, and we're going to uh, we're going to look at some of those games um, that resulted in decisions that are being questioned and, and results that were unexpected. And it's um, that's all great, but obviously the big game coming up for us is uh, on Saturday, England against Argentina. Um, we will the, the the squad has been announced, but we're going to go into that in a bit more depth on Saturday. But no doubt there'll be some. Uh, talking points uh, that we will cover today as well. But more importantly, right now, I'm joined by Dan. Hi, mate. Morning, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I've, I'm, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Some early mornings, but uh, all worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's hot enough to be quite an interesting World Cup, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, like from an, Eng- from an English point of view, um, things going exactly as we would like them to. You know, max point, maximum points, um, but the two easier games out the way, and and now it's it starts to get a little tougher. So, um, you know, hopefully England are doing what we predicted that we were going to do. They're going to grow throughout the tournament, and you know, onwards and upwards. But um, but yeah, the test the tests only become more difficult now. So uh, this is this is the real test of what these guys are made of. Yeah, it's progressively more difficult if you look at. Um... Our our likely opponents moving forward, but but that's a World Cup, then. Exactly, exactly. That's what to you be need to the do best to in the world. World you've got to beat the best in the world. Um, you know, and and right now the way things are lying, it's potential. There's potential for one side of the the knockout stages to be a relatively easy run by comparison. I mean, that's probably not fair, but um, you know, we have we're we're setting ourselves up for the more difficult run for sure. Um, but you know that's a challenge that uh, that we relish. We want to yes. get to the top, and there be no questions. <laughs> no, I I completely agree. Um, but I mean, obviously on Saturday we're going to go into this England England team and England match and England's sort of World Cup in a lot more depth. And this one is on midweek, looking more as the World Cup as a whole. And my God, there've been some <laughs> results, haven't there, out there? Some some that. Uh, not entirely unexpected. Some of it are completely unexpected, and uh, it's starting to change the dynamics of what what's going to happen come the knockout stages. It is. It is. Look, before we get into all of that, though, we've had some reviews. We like to read these out, of course. So I'm going to crack on with some of those, and uh, and then we will get into the the details. Um, first up, we have got uh, Caroline Bruin, who emailed us <coughs> five stars. Okay. Or review five stars is the title of the email. She says, "Good morning, chaps. It seemed from the review discussions in your pod that a bit of diversity is required. So here we are, yes, a girl yes. who likes rugby too. I take great Excellent. pleasure from listening to you, your dulcet tones as I'm on the tube, laughing like a mad woman at the excellent banter. Off to Japan for the knockouts with my mate Craig. Sorry, Dan, we'll have a beer for you, uh, but we'll continue to enjoy your range of variable predictions and post-match analysis. Fingers crossed, you're right on the main one. You're correct on the main one. Uh, England for the Rugby World Cup 2019. Keep up the great work, Kaz. Thanks a lot, Kaz. Look, Caroline, I, I will stick with Kaz, I think. That's what she called um, herself. I think that's probably yeah, fair. Ex- exactly. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kaz. And 
Again, why why does everybody else seem to have tickets to these knockout stages? And you better have that beer for me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear you enjoy well Andy's dulcet tone and my uh, zippy like sound as uh, as it's been described Don't many times. Don't yourself before. off. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I'm going to say that. Plenty of people doing that for you. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, great, thank you. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, another five stars from Airborne FF. He has been in touch before, but he says, still loving the pod. Feels a bit weird that there's only four or five episodes left. You should try and organise post-World Cup celebration for the podcast listeners. Um, that's certainly an option. Um, we will Ooh, definitely like look it. into that. But more importantly, loving that you're still with us, uh, Airborne FF. Uh, keep, up the, uh, keep up the good work. Um, we've heard from our old friend Wade again. Thanks, everyone. Um, the five stars remain. The high watermark. I don't really understand the title, but there we go. He says, gentlemen, aloha from old Alenians RFC. Things are going swimmingly. Ten points, few injuries and no serious games under the belt. Now it gets serious. England will be Argentina. I will put your Southwest London mortgages, Ballum, on it. Bit, oh, hello. Bit, bit weird. <laughs> bit weird. I mean, I, we, I, we don't live in Ballam, but not far away. Bit weird that he knows that much. Um, makes me wonder if perhaps we do know this person. <laughs> yeah. uh, they really should beat France, but that's never a hundred percenter. They have rugby world cup pedigree and history. You will say you would say that counts for nothing, but they are a proud and historic top five world cup nation. The Asses test then begins. Eddie is either a genius, as you say, or a potential charlatan, as I suspect. England have a soft core of Youngs and Georgie Boy, um, and the first choice hinge. Wales or Australia will target them unmercifully. Let's see. I'm as always concerned of the lack of huge game experience in the team and gnarled to know how to win tight games on the back foot without quick ball on a plate. Hope I'm wrong, but I wear clear glasses, not the other variety. Uh, hope I'm wrong. Keep it up. Best WD. Uh, as always, Wade, thanks very much. Uh, Just very quickly, I think I would say, and we have pointed this out before, but you've, he's, he's referenced George Ford and then talked about um, lack of big game experience and the need for uh, front foot ball. But of course, let's not forget that George Ford um, you know, was up there with you know, as one of the best players in the Premiership last season, playing off the back of a pack that was going backwards. So I would argue that if we are in a position where we don't have front football, actually George Ford might be the man to help us out. And he's one of Six Nations Grand Slam as well. I, I don't think big match experience is a problem for George Ford. So there we go. Um, I, know, I know he's not specifically just saying George Ford, but um, but no, that that's interesting. It is, it's good to have the... Ying to our yang. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, moving on from that ying and yang scenario, we have Marcus Warren. Uh, he reached out on Twitter. Uh, and what did he say? It's on my phone. I should have had it up, ready to go, but I didn't. He says... Uh, no, that's the reply. Here it is. He's Sorry about that. He says, just like to say, lads... Um, I've been listening to your podcast for a year now and I've enjoyed every minute. Keep up the good work because it's been brilliant and come on England. Um, and although he doesn't say it, I, I feel like there's five stars in that. Excellent. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. I, I, feel, I feel like I'll give us five stars for that yeah, as well. Yeah. It's a well-earned five stars. So we appreciate that, Marcus. Um, and finally, we have Harry Brickwood. Um, and Harry sent us an email um, 
with uh, some quite good questions. I quite like what he's uh, what he's going for um, with these. So I shall pose these to you, Dan, and see what you think. He says, "Hi yeah. guys, I love the pod. Can't wait to hear the rose tinted bias all the way to the final." I've got two questions for you that might be interesting now that the matches are heating up. The first one, as we get towards the business end of the tournament, we'll, uh, sorry, we will start to see our strongest 15. How different does that look to the one you predicted when you started the podcast? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, to answer that fully, I'd need to remember what it was when we started the podcast. I mean, we started the podcast... Two and a half years ago? Two and a half, three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I guess, so, you know, to, to try and do this quickly, you know, it probably deserves a little more justice, but um, it's, a, it's a busy schedule we've got coming up. Um, who are the guys that perhaps were involved back then that, that are not anymore? I mean, obviously, someone like uh, Good, as a yeah. 15. Uh, maybe the likes of Danny Cipriani. I don't think Tom Curry was on our radar back then. I'm not entirely sure that Sam Haskell Underhill was. James Haskell, maybe. He, we probably had Haskell down as a, he needs to be part of the squad, whether he was a st- starting 15 player. Yeah, I, I think we're talking about... In fairness, I'm not sure that we would have had the likes of Genge, Sinclair. That, Sinclair, those I, I think we probably would, wouldn't we? I, I can't remember, I mate. He, but... was, he was one of Eddie's, he was one of Eddie's finishers. Um in the early days, and early and, days, you, know, you had you had Gen, so you had Sinclair, George, and Marla as the finishers, with Mako or Mako even as a finisher, with with Marla, Cole, and um, and obviously Captain Dylan Hartley, Dylan Hartley at Hooker. So we probably, in fact, Hartley's probably the biggest name that we would have that we would have banked on back then. Yeah, I would have thought so. Hartley, I think we all, we, well, we all, we, we both, I think, certainly thought we'd be involved now. That's certainly different. It is a different team, definitely. I think there's still a crux. I don't think we necessarily had, at that, certainly to start with, um, you don't now, but I don't think we had Daly as a fullback. No. Um, no. I think, we, but I think we probably had Anthony Watson. Well, I think at the time you had Mike Brown at fullback, but with Anthony Watson kind of kicking at his heels. And there was the big debate, wasn't there, about whether. Anthony Watson should be the fullback ahead of Mike Brown. And then, of course, Watson got injured. Eddie realised that Mike Brown wasn't the man for the job and Daly was was his his option there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that, that, that probably is where the change is. The awesome foursomes remained the same. Billy's obviously remained a, a constant. Uh, I mean, Rob Shaw as well. Haskell, Rob Shaw... Vunapola was probably what we were looking at back row then. Yeah, I, I don't know that we had a back row. I don't know that we thought. I remember us being worried about back row um, until Haskell Robshaw had sort of a great a great season. But I remember us to start with being worried, saying we don't have any sevens. Well, we certainly now, never had the the kind of strength and depth in the back row that we've got now. Yeah, I, I said from the start, I said from day one, that I thought Lewis Ludlam would be involved. Um, and I got <laughs> that spot did, on. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got that one spot on. But other than that, I think, uh, well, obviously Billy was there from the start. But on the flanks was fairly new to us. In the centres... Um, well, I, I a mean, man who probably was still injured and, and probably the expectation was he'd just get injured again, so... I, I think I, we stuck by Manu as I think it was. I think it was like we Manu's we, we want him. Place. We want him, yeah. even if he's only back in time for the World Cup. But it was always a bit of a sort of we haven't really seen him playing since he's been injured. Uh, so without him, I guess you were thinking. I mean, were we thinking Ford Farrell at ten twelve, or was Farrell the ten? No, I think I think I think no, I think we were thinking Ford Farrell. So therefore, which we it looks like it's gone full circle. Yeah, Ford Farrell, 
and Slade, JJ Slade I was hating you, and you were loving. Um, yeah. JJ, yeah, was obviously looking sharp and he's back to looking sharp again and making life difficult for Henry Slade. But so Henry Slade came good. I, it's just, I, I just feel like Eddie has done exactly what he needed to do for a World Cup. He's created a, a strength that didn't exist when he took over. He's got them over to 2015 tribulations and trials. Um, and he's got them pointing in the right direction. And, and yeah, I think it was almost easier to pick a 15 when we first started because there were less options. Um, and now yeah. it's quite difficult to pick a 15 because there are, there are a few different connotations that could arguably be a first 15 depending on who you're playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that's a good one. It's a great question. Second question. That is, I like that question. Second yeah. question you'll be particularly fond of, Dan. Uh, and another great question. If you could choose one player from 2003 to put in this side, who would it be and why? That's great. I, I, I think everyone knows. We'd probably both straight away say Johnny. I wouldn't. Um, oh, oh, naughty. Um, who would I put? Who would I? Who would I pick and why? Well, I'll start there. So, despite our strength yeah. there, I would pick John O for his leadership. So, so that that's a good shout. Um, Martin Johnson leading this team. That's naughty. That 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 is big. That and is big. and you know, it's a big call to leave Johnny out, but we can only pick one. And I just think you know, we we have a lot of talent in the midfield and uh, fly half. Um, both Ford and Fowl have looked good there. Both of them, you know, Ford's kicking like a Johnny Wilkinson anyway. I mean, okay, he had a couple of bad kicks, but up to that point, he was 15 out of 15 or something. And he turned that back around and started kicking well again. Yeah, I think I think Johnson would add more to this team than Johnny would if only one could could be could be added in. Do you know, so if I'm taking Johnny out of the equation, because I think I would probably still edge for him, I think Johnny Farrell at 10, 12 would be awesome. Then I'm down to another two players who I think would be really good. Um, both fairly senior players add to the leadership, not in the same way Jono does, but Richard Hill. Yeah. I thought, I think Richard Hill was an absolute machine and him at six, I think was huge. So, And he knows the voice because of course he's involved. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. True. Richard, Richard Hill in his heyday. The other one, Matt Dawson. I, see, I did think... I did think one of the, one of the things that England really lacks is is a world class scrum half. We probably, no disrespect to uh, to Ben Youngs, but um, it's probably the one area where you wouldn't you wouldn't say that we were world class, um, despite his ninety two caps that he'll get as of Saturday. Uh, but then, would you say Dawson was world? I mean, I guess he won a World Cup, so you've got to argue that he's that he's there or thereabouts, but. I don't know. I mean, it's a difficult one for sure. I, I think again that Johnson adds more to this team, despite the fact that we have plenty of cover in the second row. Well, I think his leadership. Yeah, yeah J- J- Jono. Jono was. Um, J- Jono was. He's just a different breed of leadership, and I think that leadership, actually, in this team, would be. Would be immense. Uh, well, would, that's a hell of a question. I like that yeah. question well, it, a lot. Well, the thing with Jono is that... I'm, I'm is going it, Richard Hill. I'm going Richard Hill. Fair enough. I think the thing with Jono is that he was respected throughout the rugby world. And sure, you don't need that because you, as long as the, the respect exists within your group. 
but you want the referees to take you seriously. You know, all the talk about Alan Wynne Jones. I genuinely don't think that he's as good a player as he's made out to be, but it's his leadership and his ability to kind of almost control the narrative a little bit, you know, when 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 the shit hits the fan, um, that's that's so valuable. Um and I think Jono would offer that where Owen Farrell doesn't because of the various things that people have kicked up a fuss about, in particular his tackling technique, which to be fair, he's has been absolutely fine in this World Cup, despite an awful lot of people's tackling technique not being quite so good. Um, but, you know, everyone still refers back to him whenever there's a bad tackle in a game. It's, oh, look, it's a Farrell tackle. Um, but, you know, he, 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 lacks the, he lacks the kind of the global rugby respect that someone like a Martin Johnson had. Um, and I just think that's really valuable when you're having to win seven games on the trot and trying to become the, the world champions. Yeah, it, it is huge. Um, that's a great question. I really like that. And John is huge. And if it wasn't for the fact that we just had an insane amount of talent at second row, yeah, he he would be up there for me. But no, I, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, Dicky Hill. Fair I enough. Never, a few good options. I'd never Harry, call him that to his face. No, of way. course, of course. Uh, Harry, uh, email us back and let us know your answers to those questions. Well, maybe not the first one, but yeah, let us know who you would. Um, pick from the 2003 squad and why um, and obviously yeah to the rest of you guys if you've got a, a different opinion to us if there's someone that we've missed you know perhaps um, uh, a Robinson at fullback wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be too painful well well, that, that's the thing I was thinking Robinson and I was just thinking what here but actually I think we have more of those flair type players now yeah. than we did in 2003 but get in touch guys let us know what you think at England Rugby Pod on social media englandrugbypod at gmail.com if you want to ping us an email um, but yeah great reviews there guys really appreciate it uh, Harry I can only assume that was five stars my friend um, so yeah let, let us let us move on Dan because we've got a lot to get through um, and the first <laughs> I think I'm going to enjoy this the first big game Japan against Ireland <laughs> I am going to enjoy this. Um, Nineteen twelve. Yeah, well done, Japan. Well, done, and I think Japan. what's important. I'm sure everyone has seen it by now. But if you didn't see it, uh, I think what's important here is this wasn't this wasn't an upset in so much as you know there was a couple of breakaway tries that just turned the game when it should never have happened. I mean, Japan thoroughly outplayed Ireland for eighty minutes. Fair play. I I mean, I, I saw highlights of the game. I didn't see it live like you. I was out walking the dog. I must admit, I had dismissed this game as Japan being able to beat them, which I apologise to any Japanese fans out there. I, I didn't think you'd beat Ireland. You did, and well played. Um, so I was out walking the dog, and I got back, and I remember messaging you like, are you watching this? I can not believe it. And you're like, yeah, I've been up since five watching all the games. So I was like, all right. Well, Dedicated, mate. We, we, yes. we, have, we have a rugby podcast that's all about the World Cup. But, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Well, exactly. But <laughs> did Japan beat Ireland? So quick question. Firstly, if there's any Irish fans out there listening, the good news for you is you are currently beating Russia. So well done. Um, and... The bad news, or is it bad news? And I want to ask you this, Akers. Are Ireland now done? I know, I know the likelihood is they'll still make the knockout, but are their chances of winning the World Cup over? Well, statistically, no one's ever won a no. World Cup and ha- having lost a game. Yeah. So there's that against them. Um, it's very hard to say because... The, it, it's not like they had a bad day at the office. You know, they, they've had two of them against England. You know, Six Nations and then the warm-ups. 
frankly, despite their win, they had a bad one against Wales t- twice, even though they that, won. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um, are they? And now they, they've, you know, they had a good game against Scotland, but Scotland just weren't, didn't turn up. And now they've been beaten by Japan. It, it's not looking great, to be honest. I think, you know, Ireland 2018, peak Ireland. Well, yeah, when they beat New Zealand, when they beat New Zealand in, in Ireland, um, I mean, at that time, they were genuinely probably favourites to win the World Cup at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, now, and I, I don't not even talking statistically, I think they'll get through because I think it'll be hard for them not to get through the, the knockout stages because they'll only lose one game. But it's, I just can't see, I can't see them getting enough form consistently to win three knockout matches and win the World Cup. I think Ireland's World Cup are done, is, is done, and done quite badly. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, I mean, with that group, I think what's a little bit, well, not necessarily sad, but I, I think that the last game of the group stages is going to be Japan against Scotland, and it's going to be That's a knockout a match. Yeah, I think it's going to be a knockout match, um, and it would be such a shame for Japan, two World Cups in a row, to not make the knockouts despite having the same results in terms of wins and losses um, as those that do, because they did the same thing in 2015 after they beat South Africa, three wins, two losses. Um, and then did and didn't qualify, which is you know rare. To do it again, it would just it would be it'd be heartbreaking for them. And I just think that Japan, the further Japan go in this World Cup, the better f- for the World Cup. You know, obviously we don't like to talk too much about it, but the host nation, you want the host nation to stay in it as long as possible because it it just makes the whole event bigger and better. Yeah, um, England obviously let everybody down in two thousand and fifteen. They're rectifying that this year. Um, but yeah, it would be amazing to see Japan make the knockouts. Um, and I think brilliant for them, brilliant for world rugby. Um, so yeah, we'll, we will see what happens. But I think I have to agree with you that Ireland... You know, sure, they, yes, of course, mathematically, they can still do it. Um, and they can go all the way and they could win the World Cup. But I don't feel like it's looking very likely. Um, that game... Something I want to ask you about that game. So World Rugby have called out Angus Gardner for getting three penalty decisions wrong out of the nine that were awarded to Japan. Firstly, is it right to call out Angus Gardner? Because you've got two other, effectively you've got two other referees on the pitch in, in, the, touch, in the line judges and, they're, and they're, they're mic'd into the referee so they can all discuss things together. And then you've got the guy upstairs or the girl upstairs who's looking at the screens and you know has the sort of the the all-powerful view of things. Is it right to call out the referee who can only see so much? You know, you understand when referees get things wrong, but the fact they've brought in all this extra kind of ability to see more of what's happening on the pitch at any one time. Yeah, firstly, is it right to, to point the finger at just the guy in the middle? Secondly, is it right full stop? Should World Rugby even be commenting at this stage? It's bad enough, that, that, you know, the sort of the, the misunderstandings around tackle technique and the high tackle laws and everything else. But to start saying, oh, you got three penalties wrong in a big crunch game, you know, surely that this is for post-World Cup analysis, not for right now. Yeah, I, I don't. This is something I brought up the other day saying about because before the England-USA game, there'd be no red cards where there probably should have been. And it was something I brought up saying, I, I there's something that doesn't quite sit right to me about... 
world rugby just bitching so outwardly about the refereeing and those decisions. Well, who picked the referees for the World Cup? Well, exactly. They picked the referee. It's, it stinks of like, we've all been there where perhaps, you know, be it in a bowl, be it in your professional career, where people, you work for somebody and, you, you know, if something goes wrong, all of a sudden, you, you know, one of the bosses is blaming everyone but themselves. And it just kind of stinks of that where it's, they they just don't want to take any responsibility. And what's the value in saying there were three decisions wrong? What's the value in well, public? Well, that's exactly what I mean. There, there, yeah. there, there are decisions wrong in every single game. And when you're the losing side and the fans of the losing side, you you highlight them. That's just the way that the, this sport works. It's the way that we, we like to, to bitch and moan about things. As the fans, that's one thing. But I just think, yeah, world rugby, look, Referees, the officials, they need to be held to account. They're, they're, they have a job to do and they're getting paid to do that job. But do it behind closed doors. Don't publicly out them and say, you got it wrong. Like, where, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's just there's no value whatsoever in doing that. It doesn't change anything. All it does is undermine the referees. And you know what, what does that result in? What's Angus Gardner going to do in his next game? Is he going to start giving penalties... That he shouldn't be giving. Is it going to slow the game down? Is it? You know, what's the impact going to be? Like, how's that going to benefit him in making better calls? I mean, it takes me back again. I go back to the other officials on the pitch. If there are decisions that he's got wrong, there needs to be people to be able to get in his ear and go, "Actually, no, you got it wrong. Have a look at this." So, I mean, I I can't picture once these the full-time whistle goes. You know, unless it's a sighting, and and again, that's yeah, not World exactly. Rugby. That's the sighting commission. Then, then I think it, I think world rugby needs to leave it alone. Let the fans bitch and moan about it. If if the if the coaches want to have a bitch and moan, that's on them. Yeah. So, so sorry, heaven's just come back, so my dog's going a bit a bit happy. But carry on. Um, so yeah, bottom line is I think the the I think world rugby have got it wrong once again. Um, I think they need to just uh, wind their necks in a little bit and get back in their box. I I, th- I think you put it exactly right when you said world rugby are a bunch of little bitches and need to shut the fuck up so uh, to, just to quote you okay, okay, I, okay. I, I think i think you're spot on with that um yeah no i'm with you i don't really remember these decisions do you remember at the time I, I, I've, I've had a quick look and, and um i got distracted so I, I didn't see what the three decisions were which ones they so, were but you, don't, you don't remember at the time thinking that's a disgrace no because i just felt like japan were the were the team playing the better rugby yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 you know, and, and maybe that's maybe that's a problem. But, you know, I think Ireland, I think if Ireland are trying to blame the way that well, they're playing at yeah, the moment on, say... on three decisions made by Angus Gardner on the day, I think they need to take a closer look at themselves because bottom but, line is whether those decisions went the other way or not and whether the result was any different, it doesn't change the fact that you played like shit. Yeah, but let's be fair to Ireland. I, I, Ireland haven't actually made any complaints. Oh, have they? Yeah. I haven't seen anything... Oh, Joe, I thought it was World Rugby. I didn't know it was well, Ireland. Joe, but... Joe Schmidt made a big song and dance about it, sent off a report, had a, had a whine about the decisions, and World Rugby came back saying, yeah, you're right, he made these mistakes, and kind of outed him as, as having got it wrong, instead of just saying, you know, we'll file that away and we can talk about it in the post-World Cup review, Yeah, which is what I think okay. we should have done. Anyway, look, let's move on from Japan Island, because bottom line is Japan beat Ireland um, in another historic victory. Um, and, you know... All the better. The World Cup is all the better for it. Um, Australia, Wales. This was the next biggie. Um, obviously, both of these guys. It, this was a must-win. 
not a must win because they're out of the competition because they're probably still the two teams are going to qualify but in terms of the route that they get to the final um, and Wales obviously by beating Australia have put themselves in a strong position to to top that group which would mean that they would avoid us until the final if if both teams were to get that far um, but this was another one that was kind of marred by controversy um, first of all well <laughs> So first of all, there was the the should he shouldn't he with the yellow card um, for the for the late tackle on Dan Bigger. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, my my thoughts on that are I haven't this is obviously Hooper Michael Hooper the captain. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, but my my thoughts on that is I really need to watch I really need to watch that again because I can't even remember the incident. Okay, well that's that's good. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. so, well, so, it, but, it was a late tackle. The the kind of the 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 post analysis close up reviews of the whole thing show that he sees the ball being passed. His eyes drift with the ball, so he's clearly aware of it. And then he drops the shoulder, and then he puts in a hit and, and flattens. Well, it uh, sounds like a yellow, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, you know, it wasn't to the throat or the neck or, or the head. So therefore, he, he was let off with just a penalty. Um, so yeah, so that that one is a it was was pretty bad, but as far as I'm aware, there's been no citing. So even the citing commission have decided it wasn't didn't warrant a card. Although again, maybe this is this takes me back to the question of would a, would would the citing commission get involved for a yellow card offence or only for a red card? Yeah, offense? well, we need to we need to check that out. So um, assuming they obviously thought yellow, let's move on. The next one and far more uh, significant, I think, is the leading forearm. Um, Karevi into Reese Patchell and Karevi was pinged for leading with the forearm and Michael Hooper obviously did a bit of a James Haskell and said to the referee well what are we supposed to do because you know Reese Patchell's it's poor tackle technique he's standing too high he's taking he's taking him too high have you seen this yeah I have I it, 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 it's hard to know. It's so. Do you know what? Michael, it, it's so hard, especially when you see it in slow motion. I don't think the results of the game change on the back of either of these. You I mean you say that though? But twenty-five, twenty-nine, and Australia massively in the ascendancy at that point, and that incident resulted in three points for Wales. Yeah, but but then but then Hooper, if Hooper had been sent off, yeah, 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 no, for sure. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not saying this is one decision that changes changes the outcome, but it's. I think I think the issue here is about consistency. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, the laws say you can't leave with the forearm. Okay, well, maybe that's something to to look at. Um, and and you know, I understand the need for safety, but the law basically says you can lead with the shoulder. So if if the defender decides to tackle you the way that Reese Patchell did, and you go shoulder into his head, Patchell's in the wrong, probably far worse off as well. But because the law says you can't leave the forearm, because he's holding the ball to his chest, therefore his forearm is naturally in front of him, and Patchell goes high. It's a penalty to Wales. To me, it doesn't make sense. And if anything, I would argue that the shoulder to the head is far more dangerous than the forearm to the head. Yeah, it, it's a tough one, but I mean, again, like I said, I I don't want us to get caught up too much in all these sort of incidents. How do they change the game? Do no, no. Th- so Dan, this is not about this particular game. This is about this is about the 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 laws and the way that the referees are viewing them. 
I'm not talking about that specific incident. I'm talking about the the idea that an attacker, an attacking player, can run into a defending player who's taking him too high, and if his arm connects with the defending player, which incidentally about 50% of all tackles seem to do, <laughs> following that incident, pretty much every contact made, every other contact made, the arm of the uh, attacking player was the first thing to hit the defending player. Um, you know, do we need to start putting a bit more, making it a little clearer what the rules are? Because you can't have defending teams going, well, I'll just stick my body on the line by taking him high and then we'll so, win a penalty. So we probably do, but not now. We, we This needs to be post-World Cup review stuff, I think. So how do, so, so, so what do you want to see then going forward? What, how should referees ref this? No, no, England no, are playing no. Argentina on Saturday. Yeah, okay. so so you're exactly you're exactly right. I, I I don't have the answer to that. What I want to see is exactly the same as you, just pure consistency. But and what does that look like? So that incident in an, in England against Argentina, uh, Manu Tuolangi takes the ball. He bounces his opposite man, and and the reality is that to bounce a player, your arms typically are in front of you with the ball between your arms and your body. But because the player tackling him decides to get in a, in a bad position. He bounces him, but but the head comes into contact. Manny goes off. No, no, I don't think I don't think that's a car. Like you've got to, you've got to look at intent as well. If somebody's running and you're leaning into a bounce, it's mate, it's so difficult. I don't have the answers. Is is a short? It has got to be consistent. It's not a red card, but if a ref in a match, if say Manny does that bounces, if a ref in a match and says you can't do that, you're leaving me on penalty against. It's like, okay, I think that's harsh, but then that has got to be the same decision for every single incident like that, especially game by game. Mm. I mean, you want it across the board, but I mean, every single game has to just work on the same rest decision. No, I agree with you, but I, but I think it's important to, you know, I'm all for, for trying to keep things, you know, make the game as safe as possible, but it is a contact sport and the onus has to be on the safety in the tackle, you know, tackling people safe, safely. You can't do both at the same time. Uh, perhaps in an incident like that, you penalise both sides. I don't know. It's but but yeah. You, but but I agree with you. Bottom line, consistency, because you can't. You don't want to have these games where at the end everyone's pointing the finger. I mean, all the wrong things are being looked at. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, Michael Checker. I don't know if you, did you see any of his uh, post game. Uh, Michael Checker's a bit of a bellend, isn't he? Oh, a total bellend. But. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I read one thing that which I thought was quite interesting. It was quite Eddie Jones esque, I suppose. In which was that people say basically came back and just said, "Have you noticed that nobody's talking about the Australian performance?" Yeah, that that's very good. So you know, is Michael Checker a genius who's just found a way to just completely remove all media? Is he uh, a genius? Away no, from his no, team? No, or, I'll, I'll answer or, you now. No, or, he is not. He's or, not or, even nearly a genius. Is he? Is he just a child? Um, uh, yes, yes. B. I'm going for answer B from there, please. <laughs> uh, as a rugby player, he's embarrassed, and apparently, he doesn't know the rules. So, you know, great, great coach, great selection by uh, Australian rugby there. Um, okay, well, look, let's move past that one then. This will no doubt um, continue to rear its head. Let's hope we've said it before. Let's hope that referees don't now go the other way and kind of almost get a bit too free with the old cards just to try and make up for it because World Rugby keep uh, putting their oar in. But we'll see what happens. England so far have been 
pretty good in this uh, in these departments, and we've had some good refs to be fair. Uh, but the next big game was France USA. Well, well, oh. actually, that, that's a big one. Sorry, before we go on, as English fans, we can't complain. Both refs in both our games have been brilliant. But, yeah. So, so we 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 can't complain yet. Oh, it's it's it, we're not complaining yet. I think we're preempting that the way that some of these decisions are going, it could it could change it could change a game, and you know. It's not just about getting decisions wrong. It's about the it's about the key decisions. I think I think more than anything, it's about the ones that are missed that ultimately get cited because you you know that happens that should happen once in a blue moon. <laughs> we shouldn't be pointing the finger and saying should he be cited at the end of every game. Um, but anyway, we'll move on because that- the, the next game is France USA. Our our pool. Um, yeah, you, you, so so this was interesting because you, I think you're reading more into. Well, you're definitely reading more into this than I am. But equally, having said that, that's a, it's a good point. Um, I mean, France beating the USA, we knew they would, but it, it was closer than it could have been. Well, I mean, it was thirty three nine, and they got a bonus point win, massively valuable. They kind of needed that um, just to keep the pressure on England, who were obviously ten ten from two games. They're on nine. Um. But at 60 minutes, it was 12-9. And you, the USA at that point genuinely looked like they might do it. Now, in hindsight, having watched all 80 minutes, you know France eased to victory in the end. And I think the reality is that the USA just didn't have an 80-minute game in them uh, at, at that level. But France didn't look great. You know, Fr- no, France but, would have but, France basically. But we know have, this, don't we? we well, we, yeah, but we, so, we, so this isn't the whole. You know, which France will turn up? This was they would have they would <laughs> well, have these. Are you mugging us off? Well, no, this, I'm mugging <laughs> off the, the rugby world. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, France would have these little moments of genius where they'd go, you know, seventy yards, eighty yards, and then oh, sorry, meters, um, and then and then silly mistakes would result in them losing all that ground, and then. Ten minutes later, they'd do it again, and you know, and then not convert the points. And the USA just did. And you know, to be fair, they did it against England, and they ran out of steam probably a bit earlier than that. Um, England were more clinical when 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 they had opportunities, and France weren't. But you know, France weren't that clinical against Argentina. They weren't that clinical against the USA. Um, the Tonga game is going to be an interesting one because. You know, I'd argue that Tonga against Argentina put them under the cosh a little bit. And again, although the, the result was reasonably favourable for Argentina in the end, uh, 28-12, Tonga were unfortunate in, at the end of the first half. They were definitely on the comeback in the second half. Um, and as we pointed out, they gifted Argentina, I mean, literally gift-wrapped Argentina, about three of their first four tries. So that could have been a very different game if the second half Tonga had started. Um, and I know that you know ifs and buts and all the rest of it, but I would argue that this France side has not looked great. You know, to to mar- to, to narrowly beat Argentina in the opener, and frankly, they shouldn't have done because Picamols was about twelve meters offside. Um, that and num- distance is increasing with every time we talk about it. But yeah, way, well offside um, for that interception try. It's yeah, I mean, you know. It's true anything can happen on the day, but based on performances to date, I would I would say that England have got to be feeling pretty confident, you know, and you obviously got a job to do this weekend and a job to do next weekend. But um, 
France should be concerned. Uh, France, France definitely should be concerned. Um, but they won't be. That, that's not. That's just not the way they are. Um, England, I don't. What I will say about this game is, and I know everyone says, and we're as guilty as everyone else of saying, oh, what France will turn up. They're just, that to me still doesn't quite ring true because they're, they're too consistently poor now. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad because the talent they have in their team, they should be double the team they are. Mm. Um, so none of these teams have concerned me yet, but, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens on Saturday against Argentina and how we go. And then and then let's look at what France are doing and see, you know, we'll see how much uh, worry we've got we've got following that. Yeah. Well, look, the, thing, the big thing for England on Saturday uh, is that an England win guarantees them a quarterfinal. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so let's, let's obviously, get that. Obviously, we want to win the group. Um, or do we? Um, no, we well, do. We I, want I to be unbeaten. Say, I, I, we want to be unbeaten. We want to be unbeaten. I think, I think but, that's more valuable. Um, but yeah, a, a win, however it comes on Saturday, guarantees a quarterfinal. Uh, so that is that is goal number one. Uh, obviously, a bonus point would be great. And I genuinely think that there's a bonus point on offer for England in this game. Um, I think the way that Argentina have been playing versus the way that England have been playing... The records and all of this will go into in more depth uh, in the pre-game on Saturday. But um, you know, I think England are and have won the last nine on the bounce against Argentina, and uh, you know, they're in they're in a strong position. So hopefully, we go out there, we do a job, we grow a little bit more, like we said, because that's that's the key here is just grow with each match. Um, and another five points would be absolutely lovely. Um, it would, it would, and it'd be good to. Just you know, get that qualification guaranteed. I'm pretty sure we will. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, just quickly, Dan. Then uh, I know we're going to go into the team in more detail on Saturday, but a couple of things. Uh, no Genge, aka the Baby Rhino, aka Juggernaut, but the Big Mac is back. You like what I did there? I like that. I like as, that. Well as is Jack. Like Big Mac that. sounds like a well-known burger, so yeah. Well, well he looks a bit like, no, that's harsh. Uh, yeah, Makovunapola comes back. Jack Knoll comes back. Both off the bench. Um, it's gonna be good to see them. Uh, yes, it would be amazing to see both of them. I'd love to see Mako and Jack Knoll get a good run out and and Slade. In fairness, are we starting to are we starting to look like a first fifteen? I think that is our current with with all the injuries. I know Mako and that are back, but they haven't played. I think that is our best fifteen currently. I think that's what um, Eddie considers our best fifteen. I mean, I had a quick look, and I think that's what I consider our best fifteen. So right I had now. a quick look, and the the players that I think you know are not so much question marks, but the ones that, that you know where things differ. You got Joe Cock and Asiga has been replaced by Jack Knoll. Yeah, is he a you know for me he's he's. He's he's a part of a twenty three. When you want the ability to bring someone on that's one hundred and twenty kilos and can run the hundred and eleven seconds or whatever he can do, um, but we know how good Jack Knoll is. So that's I think probably, Jack Knoll's a better player. That's probably I think uh, uh, an out as an out and out rugby player. I, I agree with you. But is this a situational? Well, well, well that, that's for players I went on the pitch for rugby players. Is this situational? Because I think you know Joe Cock and Asiga perhaps offers more 
the Jack Null, or, you know, in addition to. Um, you've got Henry Slade on the bench. Jonathan Joseph left out. Jonathan Joseph has looked amazing so far this World Cup and in the and in the warm-ups. Yeah. You've got Ellis Genge, who, who understandably, Mako gets the nod ahead of him, but has, has just become... You know, become more and more dangerous, and just that that one break in the last game. <laughs> so, so, so I think I think what I think what we'll do. I, I think this is a first fifteen, not a first twenty-three. True. Yeah, true. So, so you think it's right? Jonathan Joseph is not first fifteen. Wilson, Genge, Cognacigan, none of them first fifteen. At, at the moment, um, at at the moment, I think that yes, possibly. I mean, all of them. It's it's so arguable. Genji, Genji, I don't think is. Um, I, I, I think I've got. I Marla think my only, my only, ahead of him. my only real kind of argument in this would be Noel starting on the wing with May and Watson at fullback as a first fifteen. Yeah, I, I don't think Noel's ready to start. I, I think no, no. I think it's right it, that he's coming off the bench to uh, on Saturday because of the injury and everything else. But in terms of if we were looking at the first fifteen injuries aside, um, I I would be tempted to start Watson at fullback and have Noel and May as the two wingers with Daly on the bench. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. But you're I mean, you're, not, you're absolutely adamant that Elliot Daly is our fullback and rightly so, aren't you? I I, th- I think Elliot Daly stays as our fullback. I, I'm not changing that yet. Let's I just agree hope with in this you. game he's... he appears to want to be in it. I agree he's not played the best rugby we've seen of him, but I still think Elliot Daly's off all that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, look, there you go, guys. We've 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 covered some of the bigger games. There have, of course, been other results. Um, the biggies we've talked about, but you know, Scotland got their first win with a... 30, a good win against Samoa. Yeah, 34-0. Nilled Samoa, 34-0. Um, France, we've obviously talked about. Argentina beat Tonga, Japan beat Ireland, Australia was beaten by Wales. What else happened? Uh, Georgia beat Uruguay pretty convincingly. Fiji had a good win over Georgia this morning. That was big. Uh, New Ze- Interesting, the New Zealand-Canada game, 63-0, and apparently there's been a lot of complaints from New Zealand fans that it was only 63 points. I'm like, what, what do you actually want them to do? Like, I think I think it was like 60 points at 60 minutes or something. And then they just... Yeah, like, the last but, 20, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't score. But so what? Fine. That, that, yeah, game was in the bag. Points. It's a pool game. And you've scored... You've, you've nilled them. Like, almost more valuable to spend that last 20 minutes concentrating on your defence. I think fair play. Like, yeah, <laughs> get over it. wouldn't have complaints about it. It's, I think that's just naive as a rugby fan to think that there's any one team that should be scoring more points than that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's weird. I mean, Ireland rushes 21-0 at half-time to Ireland, so this game could still go anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it sounds like a pretty close one. <laughs> it does. Well, look, maybe we should close. sign off and go and watch it because it sounds like it's going to be an absolute nail-biter in the second half. I, I, I think we should. We're back in a couple of days anyway, aren't uh, we? We are, so, we are. And we will be going into more depth about the, uh, the England-Argentina fixture. We'll look back at some of the historical results and um and you know we'll look at how both teams have been playing and and yeah make our predictions and uh, hopefully you guys will join us for that uh, it'll be another one of our semi-live episodes so you'll get pre during and post-game analysis uh, we might even have a little uh, uh segment from one of our argentine fans if we can um, get that arranged in time um but for now thanks so much for tuning in again guys 
Uh, if you've got any questions or comments, if you want to send us your suggestions, your picks for who you would have from the 2003 squad or anything else that you think would be interesting, or if you've got any similar sorts of questions, things we can I can pose to Dan on the pod and, um, and we can we can give those answers, reach out to us at England Rugby Pod on social media, englandrugbypod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, and as we say every week, if you get the opportunity, please head over to iTunes, rate us, review us. If it's too difficult, and to be fair, I don't know why iTunes make it so hard to write reviews, um, ping us them over on an email. We can read them out anyway. Um, we'd just love to hear what you guys think. Um, and uh, oh yeah, we will continue to follow England's progress and the progress of the entire World Cup over the course of the next few weeks. And hopefully you'll be with us throughout. We'll catch you on Saturday morning. See you then.